have a new sponsor and an old friend joining Envy Pillow here, Sierra Sill. With two rare patents and a money-back guarantee, Sierra Sill, available at Shoppers Drug Mart, London Drugs and Health Food Stores, is the natural mineral joint pain remedy you need. Go to sierrasill.com, S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L.com and use the code GF for 10% off. Welcome to episode 41 as Lisa enjoys La Dolce Vita and all things Italiano. And uh, what a wonderful thing that we are able to find some of our favorite moments from the first 39 episodes. We did some last week, we're doing some this week, we're going to do some more next week. I'm Erin Davis. I'm Lisa Branton. Gracefully and frankly, would be nowhere without listeners. And, and we're so grateful that it gets shared. And, and, you know, two of our biggest fans, as you well know, because you knew them before I did, mm-hmm. are Kathy and Kim at Envy Pillow. And we're so lucky to have them. They're two RNs, registered nurses, who were working with the cosmetic surgery field. And they wanted to find a way that women and men could sleep better after having had procedures on their face. And so they came up up with these ideas and eventually they went on Dragon's Den. They were offered money for the company and they went, no, no, we want to keep this ourselves. So these two Canadian women built up this pillow, this Envy pillow, and not just pillows, but a whole bunch more with only the best ingredients, good for you, good for the planet, and great to know that if it doesn't work out for you, just send them back and they will clean them, send them on to people who need them in shelters and you'll get your money back. But we don't think that's going to happen. No. The money back part would happen, but <laughs> the sending back part, not so much. People fall in love with their envy pillows. I've got three. I mean, it becomes a thing when you realize, uh, for me, it's neck support too. So Yeah, you had a tough decision. You had Sophie's Choice there trying to decide which one you were going to take with you to Italy, but I'm sure it was the travel one in the nice satin pillowcase with the nice rope that you can hang over your arm. It's easy peasy. Absolutely. And then I can whack men who are trying to pinch my bottom because I hear that happens. Does that really happen? It does, but not to us. (laughs) Anyway, sorry, buddy, you're going to have to bend down. (laughs) Keep going. It's down there. All right. And here we go into episode 41. Oh, Lisa, I fell the other day. I did not quite a face plant, but on my hands and knees, and the first person I thought of was you. Well, that's kind of my reputation, I guess, for falling. So how did you fall? What happened? Um, Rob's at hockey. Dottie and I are getting up. And then Dottie is making some circling motions on her paper. So I'm thinking, well, I better get her outside. I'm dressed. So I'm running toward the front door. We have a baby gate. What did I do? My pinky toe caught on the outside of the gate and just went straight down on my hands and knees. I skimmed my knees. It made me think of you because you have shared so many stories and also the fact that you were in Italy and there are so many uneven services. So... (laughs) Watch where you're going. I've got my best walking shoes on. So uh, if there's anything that's going to keep me on terra firma, it's going to be those shoes. So I think it'll be okay. What did you do this week? Your bruises and wrist guard and everything. Oh, Lisa. Oh, you know me. I'm so accident prone. But what I did was forget that I was up on the concrete porch and thought I was on a step. And when I went to step off, the momentum, I thought I was just making a shallow step, but I had all that way to go. And the momentum forced me forward into our garage. 
where I only had time to think, don't hit your head. Oh because it could be over, and ended up crashing into the garbage bin. And that's how Derek knew something was wrong. He had his back to me. I didn't make a peep. I've got bruises up and down my torso on both sides. My knee is cut open. My elbow is cut open. Um, I've got bruises on both hands. My left hand's fairly swollen. But the good thing is I didn't crack my head, and I didn't break anything. And it could have been so much worse. Oh, it can always be worse, but it's bad enough. It is. Your bone density must be pretty good because I would be worried about that broken wrist in a heartbeat, you know? Yeah, and it didn't mm-hmm. break, which I was surprised. The first thing I laid there yeah. thinking, okay, I've broken everything because it felt like just everything hurt. And Derek came over and just said, okay, where? Where'd you land? And he just touched everything. Nothing broke. Not my boobs, Derek. They're fine. That's what Rob would do. Get out of here. Oh, geez. He knows I wouldn't laugh because it's just, he says I should be wrapped in bubble wrap and wear a helmet always, like even in the house. So he doesn't find it funny. He thinks that's how he's going to become a widower. Oh, geez. Well, she was kind enough to take herself out in the garbage. (laughs) That's right. Oh, you know what? You can also feel very grateful that there wasn't a tour going through your neighborhood at the time. One of the things that did change me from feeling a little sorry for myself because everything hurt and I was hobbling a bit at first was thinking that maybe someone happened to be looking out the window at that moment. And how funny it probably would have looked if you couldn't hear me and you could just see me going <laughs> like a little freight train that didn't stop. Like there was just no way to stop. Oh. And you know, if somebody slips, it's kind of funny. Well, this went all the way across a double garage. So oh. that actually brought me some humor and some relief. Oh my God. Well, if you can laugh about it, you're going to be okay. So none of your neighbors, as far as you know, has the cameras outside the house then, eh? As far as I know. Mm. But who knows? I mean, I could be getting dozens of views on YouTube right now. I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, or the hit of the next block party. You can look forward to that. <laughs> Great. There's a reason she was out there on that porch that day, and... It's time to play... What's that smell? So, here we go. Contestant number one, Lisa Brandt. (laughs) We had this odor in our house. We noticed it when we'd been out for dinner with some friends, and we opened the front door and went, whoa! And it was like something dead and wet and musty, and it was just awful. But it was only by the front door, and then later we noticed it was only at the top of the basement stairs. Nowhere else in the house. So we call the guy from our builder, and he comes over, (laughs) and as he's messing around with the sump pump, he says, what's that over there? It looks wet. Derek put his face over toward it and just about fainted. It was a box of frozen chicken wings (gasps) that we figure minimum two weeks ago, we took out of the freezer when we got a a shipment of frozen food and forgot to put back in. It was so horribly foul. Ah, pardon the pun. So I put this on Twitter and the stories I got back, like one woman's husband put all the fish in the freezer except one package. So... I didn't feel it so bad. This does happen. People do do this. But I think you do it once. How do you get the smell out? We put towels, like work towels, with bleach onto the spot on the shelf. Derek's going to have to cut it and we'll have to dispose of that. Isn't this the room where you hurt your neck falling on a piece of equipment? Should you maybe just stay out of that room, Lisa? I'm going to order bubble wrap, lots of it. And that's just what I'm going to wear from now on. 
Well, I'm sure it'll look good under your caftan. Did you pack a caftan for Italy? Yes, of course I took my caftan. I've got to be on a balcony somewhere with flowers and in my caftan. So that'll be on social media somewhere. Coming up, a story that I told that I didn't expect to tell that had a bit of a trigger warning ahead of it. And I am so honored that you told your story in this space. The response to it was huge. Lisa, you touched a lot of people, and we're going to share that. Hi, it's Lisa again. I just want to let you know that in this episode, I talk about a personal experience that may be triggering for you, and I wouldn't want it to get you by surprise. So it's not in detail, but I just wanted to let you know that it's coming. Thanks. So my therapist has moved offices, Aaron. Mm-hmm. And he's in this beautiful building, but it's completely different than the last place. And the procedure is he comes out and gets me and I follow him back to his office. And then we have my therapy session. And he came out to get me in this new office. And I guess he said something, but I'm so used to not hearing things. People mumble and there's noise. And I just didn't pay any attention to it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Because as I walked down the hall behind him, He walked into a doorway and pushed the door, and I saw that it was the washroom. Oops. So he's inside trying to close the door, and I'm on the other side looking at him expectantly, and he's like, Lisa, my office is over there. Oh, my God. I need to go to the bathroom. (laughs) Oh, Oh, it was mortifying. We laughed so hard. Oh, good, because I was thinking, did you spend the first half of your session, your precious session, trying to say, um, okay, so here's what really happened. I'm so mortified. I'm this <laughs> and that. Oh, my God. That's oh. Luckily, I have a good enough relationship with him that I could just say, oh, I feel like an idiot. And he laughed. And we talked about mistakes people make all the time. And that he had said, just wait for me in my office. I'm just going to be a minute or whatever. And I, we walked by it. But I didn't know it. Anyway, yeah, I was just so embarrassing, but I was actually thinking about that when we started talking about it. Don't take up too much time. This costs you money. This costs you money. So <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> but the session in itself, it helped you because you've been feeling overwhelmed lately and not without a certain amount of guilt because it's something that should be bringing you joy. And that's such a collision, such a conflict. Yeah. And it's not just the one thing, right? It never is. I mean, I've got other things going on, personal things, and uh, my marriage is fine. Don't worry about that. Oh, good. It's always stuff that's out of your control that makes you feel overwhelmed. And I know control is not even possible. I understand all that. And it's an embarrassment of riches, really, that we're going to spend three weeks in Italy. Now, why would anyone feel overwhelmed by that? I should be doing a happy dance eating pasta and and celebrating the whole time. But it's a little complicated because it involves a cousin from London, England. Mm-hmm. It's gotten longer. It's three weeks. It was going to be two. And I know, poor me, three weeks, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is complicated because of the time difference in England and her being away sometimes and us not being around and trying to figure out how we're going to bring this together. We were going to go on a tour 
but you can't take a tour and have somebody come on partway through. And so it's just been really complicated. That's the only word I can come up with. And I just want to get the darn thing done um, and book so I don't have to worry about it. And Derek says, oh, we can just wing it when we get there and figure out where we're going to stay. And it's like, no, every place I'm looking, it's like, we have two rooms left. We have one room left. Like, you know, we have to nail this down. So Mm. we've got about half of it booked now. We have our flights and everything booked, but um, I feel so much better that it's coming together. And was there any advice or anything that you got that helped you to put this all into perspective? Not like, hey, I'm going to Italy for three weeks, but here's what I need to do to feel less overwhelmed or to feel less frenzied about all this? No, actually, the advice is to listen to my intuition at the first moment when I'm agreeing to do something I don't want to do. So... I really don't want to go for three whole weeks, but we can't claw it back to one. Again, I understand. Oh, poor Lisa going to Italy for three weeks. Yeah, I understand. You know, let's hold her a tag sale. (laughs) No, it's more about listening to my intuition in the moment and not getting myself into something that will make me feel overwhelmed. So that bird has flown. So next time, hopefully. Yeah, because you were going to have to eat it, right? You were going to have to eat that whole nut of the expense that you had laid out. Yeah. And we're still going to have to eat a little bit of it to cancel one of the things that we had booked. And so I hate wasting money and I hate making mistakes like that. But things happen and it's just the way it is. So we move on. Yeah, it has been kind of overwhelming, only because my personality, I think, I I just, I want to get the ducks in a row. I want to know where I'm going. I want to know what's happening a little bit. And I know that we can't just go and wing it because I'm not staying on the floor of a hostel with 26 other Mm. people in a room in a shared bathroom. It's not going to (laughs) happen. So I want to know where I'm laying my head at night. I totally get that. There's a saying that I came across a while back and I posted it on Facebook and there were a few people who disagreed with it. But I think it applies here. Don't say yes when you're really happy and don't say no when you're miserable. Hmm. Taking the time to step back and say, let me get back to you on this. Yes. I can relate to that. It's giving yourself time. But you know what? You've come out of this wiser, right? And the whole thing about your intuition is so true. Why don't we listen to that more? Well, and this is one of the things I talked about with my therapist. And when I was a kid, I was always told to ignore my intuition. It's like Uncle Danny touches me funny. And it would be like, oh, don't say that. He would never do something like that. You know what I mean? So my intuition was always being gaslit. And I was always being told it wasn't correct. No, what we think is correct. Don't make a fuss. Don't say something, you know, that's going to upset an Mm -hmm. adult, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's where it comes from for me. And I think it does for a bunch of people. I don't think I'm the only one. Oh, absolutely. If you're not being heard, you don't think that that inner voice is worth listening to. Did that, did that happen to you with that unnamed uncle? Yeah. Yeah, it did. And he wasn't an uncle. He, they just called him uncle. Yeah, it did. Yep. And I was nine years old and, um, And my mother just didn't believe me. And it wasn't until years and years later, it made sense to both her and my dad over the way he had behaved, distancing himself from them. And here's a guy who coached a girl's baseball team and didn't have a daughter. Oh, so you weren't alone. No. Wow. You weren't alone in your experiences. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. 
So it's really confusing for a kid to feel like you know something deep within your heart and to have the people who are closest to you say, no, you're wrong. I came home one day, this guy had tried to get me to get in his car with candy. Oh, come on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just literally the the cliche. Yeah. And he's saying, I know your dad, I know your mom and all this stuff. And I just started booking it for home and I ran as fast as I could. Of course, I was a little kid. I didn't get a license number. I didn't get any of that. I run home and I said to my dad, this man tried to get me in the car. He tried to give me candy. And dad said, well, did you get in the car? And I said, no. And he goes, well, then what's the big deal? Oh, my God. Now, 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 can you imagine the 911 calls, the all-point bulletins? Yeah. But, you know, it wasn't, it just, you know, he says, you're not dumb. You didn't get in the car. Well, you don't have to be dumb. You just might like candy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or your parents know me. That's also one of the oldest tricks in the book, too, or help me find my lost dog, or I need directions. Yes. Who asks a nine-year-old for directions? Yeah. Oh, Lisa, I'm so, so sorry that that happened to you. And you are so right. You are not alone, but that doesn't make it any less traumatic for you. Wow. Well, and that's where the intuition thing comes from, the swallowing the intuition and being told it isn't correct. And it was almost always to do with the behavior of adults. Don't embarrass us. Don't make a fuss. You know, you're enough trouble as it is, kid. Don't be making it worse, right? right. So, uh, yeah. I have to tell you that I had no intention of telling you that story today. It just bubbled right up. Well, thank you for that, for all of us who are listening to you, because to be open like that is a service. And maybe somebody listening is going to you know, listen a little more carefully to not only their own intuition, but to the less powerful people in their lives who are trying to tell them something without shutting them down. Yeah. And, you know, kids aren't a pain in the neck for no reason. There's something going on with them, mental health or something. And I'm sure some kids make up stories, but um, I would wager to guess most don't. So believe them. Oh, thank you again for sharing that, Lisa. You know, you just never know who you're helping and people don't come forth and name names or their accusers, especially if it's in the case of, say, a movie star or a high profile politician to get famous. It's to get justice. I'm so grateful that you did. Well, we also talked and gracefully and frankly about talking to children, right? Their reaction, their parents' reaction. Mm. And we did get an email about it. Yeah, we did. And the woman was saying, but yes, children do get molested in your local box store. And of course, I couldn't disagree with her own experience. But then she later wrote again and had softened her stance towards us. I listened to what she was saying and explained that it was all contextual. Mm. And she agreed. So we're in Canadian Tire, and it's kind of a short space between the wall and the ends of the aisles, and we're all kind of scooching through. And I hear this mom coming, and she's got an older daughter and a a much younger son, and she's saying, don't touch, don't touch. Mm. And I'm thinking, yeah, I know that. That's always the way. And so We kind of scooch by each other, and I smiled at this pretty little girl. And then the little boy says to me, hi. And I said, hi, how are you? Or something like that. And then I said, remember, don't touch. And then I kept going. (laughs) So then Brooke is behind me, and she hears the little girl say to her mother, mommy, let's call him Jason. Jason was talking to a stranger, and mommy says he doesn't know about stranger danger. And they keep going. 
And when Brooke told me this, I was hurt. Mm. I understand children have to learn about stranger danger, and there's no way to tell maybe a three, four-year-old the difference between a friendly grandmothery type and somebody who could do them harm. A stranger is a stranger is a stranger. But you know what? I don't want to live in a world or shop in a store where I can't talk to children. What? Where are we? What is this? Yeah, and little Jason's going to have to learn the difference because he was right with his mother and sister, and he spoke first, and there was nothing harmful about what happened there whatsoever. So there needs to be some context put into it. I know you can't do that for a little guy like that, but as he grows, I would certainly hope that somebody smiling at him at the paint department when he's buying foam brushes isn't going to send him into a frenzy. I'm being kidnapped. There's a big difference. There really is. And children are friendly at the checkout. They're given actual candy by the cashier. Of course, it's confusing. And to be honest, the mother looked like she was just at the end of her rope. And I I understand that. And cognitive behavioral therapy, Lisa, or stoicism has taught us. It's not about us. Yeah. She was having a day. The daughter wasn't being a jerk. She was just looking out for her little brother yep. and trying to figure out why it was that this is a lesson she's been taught not to talk to strangers. And it gets drilled into them and good. But that her little brother had kind of broken this rule. I just, oh, God, I love, love talking to children. And if the mother had turned to me and said, please don't talk to my child, I would have said, I'm sorry, and just kept walking. I wouldn't have said, he talked first or anything like that. (laughs) Ah, geez, it's just, it's a complicated world. I probably would have said he talked first. But so here's this little guy, like you say, mom's having a day. His sisters can't wait to rat on him. Maybe he was looking, saw the first friendly face, somebody who looked nice and kind and smiling. (laughs) And he's reached out to say hello, and now he can't do that. That's right. And you are always welcome to say hello. Just send us a message at Gracefully and Frankly on our Facebook page. Drop us a line via email, gracefullyfrankly at gmail.com. Coming up, who's a good puppy? (laughs) Now this is a feel-good story. Well, Lisa, we've had her for exactly six months, but... Okay, who are we kidding? She's had us. (laughs) Here's the story of a pup named Dottie. Explain about how this little beam of light came into your life. Well, there's a big backstory, as you know, but I'll try and do it in almost Twitter length. In November of 2020, we adopted a little puppy from Kelowna. And it was kind of an impulse buy, but I had been looking and looking and looking. And like so many people during COVID, it was like, oh, I got to fill this hole in our lives, in our hearts, everything else. So sight unseen, didn't see the breeder, nothing. I bought this little dog and her name was Rosie and she was absolutely adorable. (laughs) But she was such a puppy. Oh, I hear Dottie whining outside the studio. Rob, you can bring her in. She can come in where mommy lives. I didn't know how this was going to work today, but here she is. She's going to come in. 
Okay, so Rosie was so much puppy. And the biggest thing was she was too much puppy for Colin. And mm-hmm. Janie was just a baby, so she didn't really care. But for Colin, Rosie jumped up on him all the time. She was following him around. She made him inadvertently back into the glass of our fireplace when there was a fire going. So he burned his arm. And it was oh. just everything that could go wrong with Rosie Doodle went wrong. And I loved her. But I could feel the tension and the stress between Rob and me like we had never had in our 30-some years of marriage at that point. So we found a new home for her, and the woman she's with sends me pictures every now and then, and Rosie Doodle is living her best life. So after that, Rob said, never again. We are never getting another puppy. So in there, I heard, he didn't say dog. Mm. And (laughs) we all know that puppies and dogs are different, right? Right. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) So I love different breeds. I love the Havanese. And of course, I kept looking and looking at shelters to see if there was anything that looked small and that a senior had given up or something. We wanted a mature dog. To make a long story a little bit shorter, there's this breeder who lives about 45 minutes from us, and she is renowned throughout Canada and parts of the world for her Havanese. Havanese is a breed that's kind of like a Shih Tzu that is from Cuba, the national dog of Cuba, Havana, and they're very gentle. They don't shed. They're non-allergenic. They are loving and cuddling and not needy. But like I say, cuddling, you heard her outside the studio wanting to come in. Right. So I reached out to Bev at Misty Trails last November, and I said, we need a mature dog. And she said, that's not how we work. She's she's not really big on communication. So I pushed a little bit and said, okay, tell me how you do work. And how it is, is you either buy a puppy or you take a dog, usually one of these puppies, if they're from a really good line of dogs. And you're kind of a surrogate parent. And when the puppy is old enough to breed, you take her back for a couple of wild nights and then or some backseat somewhere. I don't know how. Exactly. Um, (laughs) Depending on how much Southern comfort is involved. We remember those days. And then after two months, if she's ready for her litter, you take her back and she's there for about five weeks. And then she's ready to leave her puppies. The puppies will stay there. They stay and, you know, they get the proper time at the breeders until they're sold. And so this will happen two or three times in her life, and we're ready for it. And interestingly, according to this business model, which is apparently out of Sweden, we get paid for every puppy she has, not a lot, like 150 or something. And it's kind of our reward for making sure that her gestation period was a good one. Hmm. And then after two, three, four litters, whatever is deemed healthy for her. And she does come from extraordinary bloodlines. Her sister is the number one Havanese in Canada. Whoa. Whoa. Um, I know. I'm just dropping that in here. But she's an award winner, too, on her own. Yeah, she's won best in show, best puppy, best cuddler. I don't know what else, but (laughs) she needs four more points to get to something. I don't understand any of it because I don't care. But she's, uh, she's got one more show the weekend of Mother's Day and May 11th which is the day we lost Lauren and Mother's Day. So we're going to go and cheer on this little girl. And then we're getting all that hair cut off. She (laughs) has an extraordinary mane. And of course, that's what they have in dog shows, right? Yeah. But then she's just going to be our crazy little dog until she becomes somebody's date and somebody's mom. And um, the best of it all is that our daughter-in-law, Brooke, and the kids, they all love her already. So it's going to be a bit of a timeshare dog with them, too. And we are so happy about that. Well, I think it's brilliant on all counts because I know you've wanted a dog. You've always loved having dogs. 
And to not grow up with any animals around, I think, is a real part of life. Animals are such a big, important part of the earth. I could go on and on about her. I mean, she's so smart. From the minute she came in the house, uh, she's pooed on her walk. She's peed on the paper. She's just lying here in the studio now. She's on a black and white zebra kind of a short shag carpet, just making herself at home. <laughs> and she wants to be where I am. And it's just wonderful. Yeah, you know, puppyhood sounds so great in theory, but it is so much work. And I mean, I've done it, you've done it, and it's wonderful. You get the dog you want and all that kind of thing. But oh my goodness, it's very intense for a while. It is. And if you and your partner or children or grandchildren aren't completely on the same page, then it's a recipe for difficulty, if not disaster. It's a miracle. It wow. just... Yeah. So if you go to a registered breeder and you get the dog you want and everything, that's fantastic. That's wonderful. She sounds amazing. And she's so cute. Oh, she is. She's just adorable. I don't love her name. Dotcom is her breeder's name. You know, you watch the dog shows and you see all of these names and nobody really expects you to keep it. Her name is Dotcom. But I immediately said, well, that should be spelled C-A-L-M because you know me <laughs> and names. And then we've been calling her Dottie. I'm just so high right now. I'm so happy. I'm so relieved because there were so many things like, oh, Erin, what are you doing? And I just wanted Rob to love her and the cuddles and kisses already and his little high-pitched giggle when she's with him. It's just, it's everything. <laughs> it's just everything. And those four points, did she get them? No, oh, she didn't. I think, I think we broke her. <laughs> Poor little Dottie. She went for her last round of shows and she would prance around the ring and do all the things she was supposed to do, you know, great teeth, wonderful backside or whatever it is they look at. <laughs> but when she got up on the table for the examiner to kind of feel things on her, she would roll over a completely <gasps> passive position. And, and this is her thing now. She's, I won't say terrified, but completely intimidated by people who aren't rob me our son and daughter-in-law, Brooke, Phil, and their kids. So, uh, Lisa, I think we broke oh. her. I don't know. <laughs> now, you put her into retirement from being a supermodel, and that's okay. Yes, we did. She's still in the breeding program. Darn it. I don't want her to go mm. away. We are still very much in love with our little Dottie Doodle. And uh, we had a guest a few weeks ago, and she did not like him to the point where she slept on the stools at the end of the bed or on the floor at the end of the bed. She was not letting anyone wow. get near us. Yeah, she's really bonded with you. That's sweet. It is. Well, as we have continued to bond over these low 41 episodes, in episode 42, we have some more favorite moments. We're going to go back to Lisa's days working in a nudist camp. We have some eye-opening info on hormone replacements that you need to hear again. Mm -hmm. And when your toes are so tasty because of foot and mouth. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> From eye opening to mouth opening when it should be kept shut. Oh, and Lisa's epic F. Trudeau flag flap. Oh, don't miss it. We'll talk to you again next time. Thank you, Envy Pillow. And we are so grateful to you for listening to us on Gracefully and Frankly. I'm Erin Davis. I'm Lisa Brandt. Bye bye for now. Arrivederci. <laughs>